Father, we thank you for your word today. Lord, we thank you that, Lord, your word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. And that was our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we do thank you that he was slain before the foundation of the earth, Lord. That it was in your mind, it was in your plan, that he would be the saviour of the world. And we acknowledge our Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit whom you've sent. The Holy Spirit that's now in the midst of us. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. And we desire that you move and minister among us and touch hearts and lives as only you can. We pray that today in the mighty name of Jesus and everybody said amen. We need to welcome the Holy Spirit. I tell you, that's something that I've heard said so many different ways over the years. But I tell you, one way is I think it was a preacher called Benny Hinn. He, he wrote a book called Good Morning Holy Spirit. And he, it was his commitment and his pattern that every morning he would say, Good morning, Holy Spirit. You know why? He wanted to treat him like he was there. He wanted to speak to him and start the day off right. That he's there and he's in our midst and he's in our lives and he fills us. Amen. You watch the Holy Spirit's not only a person, but he does work in our lives. And uh, we need to know him as well. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We've been talking a little bit about that the last couple of weeks. And this message, uh, we spent some time last week reminding ourselves that at the start of the church age was when the Holy Spirit was sent by the risen Lord Jesus to empower the church. Got to understand he wasn't just coming to give us goosebumps. And I like goosebumps. Every now and then, you know, and you have that moment, you get some, you know, goosebumps. But... Jesus called that moment when he sent the Holy Spirit the equipping for the church. You know, that when he he called that the promise of the Father. And so it's important. He called it the promise of the Father. In other words, this is something to look forward to, the promise of the Father. And that's the name of this current series. If you're looking at it, if you want to go back and look at some of those messages, uh, they're there on the, uh, the church website. You can go in and find sermon messages and there's a little download uh, uh, option there. You can download that message and listen in if you've missed some of those. So, But, you know, ours is a very Pentecostal message. Just in case you, you didn't know where you were coming this morning, you just went to the nearest church, I just want you to know this is a Pentecostal church. It's on the sign out the front. And um, <laughs> we, we, we just like people to know that when they come in and see some things, it's because you're in a Pentecostal church. And we want the Holy Spirit to be in here among us. We want to see him do what he does because we can't do it. Now, if we could do it, I'd find the button. You know, I'd, I'd find that lever pull that lever and say, let's have the Holy Spirit today and pull that lever. I'd pull it up every Sunday because I know what he can do. It's much better than it. But we don't have a lever, but we do have the Holy Spirit. And, you know, we want to give him room this morning in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Well, you know, the day of Pentecost is, of course, speaks of where we get the word Pentecostal from. It comes from the Jewish feast day, which was always 50 days straight after the Passover feast. It's called the Feast of Weeks. As well, so um, you can even look at it in today's current Jewish um, ceremonial calendar. It's still there, uh, Day of Pentecost, 50 days, and of course uh, for uh, those that are in the early church, that, those were the days that occurred directly after Jesus rose from the dead. For that first 40 days or so, I believe it was about 40 days, Jesus was as risen Lord appearing to them. He'd come walking through the walls. And he'd come sitting in on, in on meals. He was there physically in his resurrected body. And that's a body to look forward to having. Won't wear out. Won't go old. It uh, won't get sick. 
A resurrected body is a good body to have. And I tell you what, we've got one coming. If you're born again, and of course, a person that knows of the salvation of Christ, you've got that to look forward to, that resurrected body. You know, we want to, uh, again, just recognise that uh, Jesus gave some plain instruction about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And we want to know what that is and understand it. And, of course, walk out our Christian lives uh, in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Amen? We talk about partnering or aligning ourselves with God. We're talking about working and and walking with the Holy Spirit. I want to start today by looking at Acts chapter 1 and verse 6 to 8. Just a couple of scriptures that we've seen already, but it says, Jesus here saying, but you shall receive power. Say power. Power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Hmm. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Who was he talking to? Just the 11? You know, just the 11 good guys that had been with him for three, three and a half years? No, he wasn't. He was talking to the disciples that had gathered there as well. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit. And you will be witnesses of me. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Someone worked out that the ends of the earth from Jerusalem is New Zealand. So all the New Zealanders said amen, you know. (laughs) And uh, uh, Luke chapter uh, 24 as well in verse 49. Again, it says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry, that means wait, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you endured with what? Power from on high. Look, I love Christianity that's pie in the sky a little bit. I don't mind that. But what I really like is a steak on the plate. Amen? Who wants some steak on the plate? You know, the pie in the sky is great, but let's have some steak on the plate. Let's see God at work in our midst. Let's have a heart and a faith to see him moving and operating and doing things. I love that. I was, I'll just tell you the truth, getting ready to uh, uh, just uh, skip down to Perth for for a couple of appointments and I don't know what's going to happen, but the Lord told me to take my Qantas card. And I'm thinking, that's a delayed flight if I ever heard one, you know. But he said, take your, take your Qantas card with you, you know. And I'm going, oops, what does that mean? You know, it's like, you'll find out later. So I just grabbed the Qantas card. But the thing is, the Holy Spirit will make you look clever. Because he shows you things to come. The Bible says that he'll lead and guide you into all truth and show you things to come. If I need to have my Qantas card with me, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm just telling you now publicly, I better take it. But he'll show you what to do. He'll give you little insights, little truths. He'll speak about future things that you have no idea about. And we should want him in our life. Amen. And we should be sensitive to him. And that just takes a little bit more prayerfulness to get sensitive, to tune in, you know, that, you know, how you need to tune into to, to radio stations and things like that, you know, we used to anyway, you know, you have to tune in just to get the right picture, the right sound, get rid of all the, all the noise and get crisp, you know, a crisp signal. We need a crisp signal in our fellowship with the Holy Spirit. So when he speaks, you hear it straight away, boom. I'm looking for that and so should we all. Amen. You know, when people encounter true Christianity, it's our Heavenly Father's design that they encounter God's love and power. I'm going to say that again. When people encounter true Christianity, it's our Heavenly Father's design that they encounter love and power. 
Amen. Love and power. Some churches will major on love, but minimize the power. I'm not picking on them. The love's good. You know, I'm not, don't get me wrong. The love's good, but they minimize the power. It's all pie in the sky. Explaining some things away in unbelief. The Apostle Paul spoke of this when he spoke of those that have a form of godliness, but deny the power. It's in the Bible. It's in Timothy. Actually, in the book of Timothy. Now, watch this. The compromising church is going to be found approving of everything and calling it love. Just telling you what's to come. We're we're just coming into a season. They're going to be calling everything love. We just have to love. It's kind of like an inclusion thing. But I tell you, you know who's, who's the most inclusive? Is our Heavenly Father. Because he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So don't ever let that inclusion story rob you of the truth that should be in all of our hearts is that God is the most inclusive one there ever was because he's included everyone when he loved the world so much. You know, I'm concerned about that, approving of everything and calling it love and inclusion, but it's presence that's powerless. It's a presence that's powerless, you know, and of course we want that. The promise of the Father was the church to be spiritually powerful with physical manifestations of his presence. And I want that. It might, it, you know, if you say, well, you know, you're teasing me about goosebumps. That's okay. If that's an indicator for you, that's great. But understand that there's more. There is stake on the plate. You know, the risen Lord Jesus wasn't just talking to those 11 apostles when he said, wait in Jerusalem for empowerment from home. In actual fact, there are 120 people there on the day of Pentecost and from and you know the Holy Spirit filled the upper room like a rushing mighty wind and we talked about that last week and the Holy Spirit filled them all. They are all filled. And the unbelieving believers and don't don't get me wrong, you know, God loves them. The unbelieving believers say that spiritual gifts ceased when the last apostle died. But that cannot be supported in Scripture. Because it wasn't just the apostles that got filled. It was everyone that was there. They all got filled with the Holy Spirit. And I've watched people over the years in my days as a pastor and even before that, watch people get filled with the Holy Spirit with a manifestation of power that changed and transformed their life. And can't tell me that that's not happening today because the last apostle died 2,000 years ago. You can't tell me that. And the power of God continues to manifest in God's church that welcome him and seek his presence. The Lord is still pouring out his spirit for those that want to serve him with power. Amen. You know, the infilling of the spirit, or we can say the baptism of the Holy Spirit is what we also call it, was the ongoing qualification for service in the early church. I just want to just share this with you. How, how about, you know, we not put people into positions in the church based on uh, you know, uh, all the other qualifications that the world, the world uses, you know, good looks and, and uh, you know, uh, education, uh, uh, you know, amazing intelligence. How, how about we not do that? You know, but rather put people into positions based on their being filled with the Holy Spirit, being a people that are equipped by God to do what God's called them to do. How about we use them in positions? Amen. Let all the good-looking people sit down. <laughs> I tell you what, if we started doing that in the church, I think there'd be a few badges being handed back too. 
If we actually said no, the qualification for service in the church and to have a position and a role and a function is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you filled? You know, can we see something of that? Amen. Not only that, but filled and excited about that. Tell you what. You see, we see in the early church, a church birthed on the day of Pentecost, and, and they did have some problems. You know, they had some growth problems as well, which are good problems to have. Where we are going to fit everybody? The uh, council was sending out uh, the ranger to, you know, to the car park. You know, the council was uh, giving out tickets on Sundays because people were just parking all over the place because they wanted to get in and hear Peter preaching and, you know, in the early church. And I tell you, it wasn't because of his aftershave. They were coming because there was power. Power in manifestation. People were coming because the atmosphere was charged with God's presence. And people wanted that. You see, you know, charisma and good looks and aftershave and all those things won't change anything in your life. But I tell you what, someone filled with the Holy Spirit that knows how to tip out of the fullness in them and let it get on other people is going to bring some transformation. And that's what we want. We want transformation at God's hand. How many of you could say, my life's been transformed by God? Amen. Hands going up everywhere. My life's been transformed. I know mine was and still is and I'm still being transformed just by the power of God's spirit in my life and at work. I still have changes that need to happen. I don't know what they are anymore. But, um, but God knows that there's changes that need to happen in my life and I'm excited about it. He continues to take us from faith to faith, from glory to glory. Amen. From grace to grace. You know, how about it? Any vacancy on staff or position for service in the early church was not filled by the educated or family or people who were connected really well to the apostles. Those positions weren't taken by them. Watch this, and I'll just bring it up. They were looking for a different qualification for areas of service, and and we need to see this actually in Acts chapter 6 and verse 1 through to 4. It says, In those days when the number of the disciples were multiplying, That was the condition of the church. People were being multiplied. There arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So people were coming to receive, you know, what they needed, food, daily distribution. There was a social uh, arm of the church going on. And then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we would leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, some good-looking fellows, some men with some good aftershave. It doesn't say that, does it? It says, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. In other words, everybody had their role to play and it all needed the Holy Spirit at work in their lives. Every part of it. The mark of being filled with the Spirit in the early church was that they spoke in tongues. That was the mark of being filled with the Holy Spirit in those days. It wasn't the mark of being saved, but it was the indication that someone was empowered by the Holy Spirit. It was definitely used in several places in Scripture as an indicator. We know this person's filled with the Holy Spirit because they speak in other tongues. 
We've seen it, we've heard it. And uh, we see that throughout scripture. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1 it says, And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound came from heaven like a rushing, violent wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And we took the time last week to look and see how on the day of Pentecost, down came the Holy Spirit, you know, like this rushing mighty wind. When they were all filled as a spirit, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with other tongues. And were in such a state of euphoria that those that looked on thought they'd been drinking. Actually, people that are actually witnessing what was going on and not necessarily participating, they didn't come for a drink, they came for a think, you see. And they are wondering what was going on. And they got so amazed because even those that were being filled by the Holy Spirit were starting to get a little wobbly on their feet. And that can happen when you get around the Spirit of God. It can suspend our natural, physical capacity. And I assure you, I've been in some meetings in my life as a Christian where you would have thought that someone had put something in the water and everyone had been drinking of it. You would have thought that the drinks had been spiked. So influenced by the Holy Spirit, you had to wonder if it was wise to drive. And I've been to some of those meetings and the, the Bible encourages that type of being filled with the Spirit. In fact, in Ephesians 5.18, it says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. It says, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Actually, says it's a, it's a great substitute for being drunk is to be filled with the Spirit. How about that? There's an, a, a euphoric feel, feeling that comes with being filled with the Spirit. And I'll just be honest with you. When I came to Christ in 1983... I'd come out of um, recreational drug use. I say recreational because I, I didn't have a raging habit, but I was an habitual user. And I liked being euphoric. I liked that. And, of course, what happened was, as I started to say, well, I can't live that way anymore, I found that praying in the Holy Spirit for long periods of time was euphoric. And I would come away on a high from just praying in the Holy Spirit for long periods of time. And it was powerful and it, it was different for me. And again, helped me to just, just not want to go back to the old life. I've got something new in God. And of course, all the miracles, the signs and the wonders that were going on around me and healings. And I couldn't possibly go back to the old life. And, you know, the design for the early church was breakthrough anointing. Breakthroughs. On their lives, the plan of God was uh, vessels so filled with God's spirit that we overflow. So filled that we spill over out of our lives into the lives of others. Not just hanging on to this belief system that we're not going to let anyone shake out of us, but rather the spirit of God just at work and ministering all around us. And get this, I know I'm talking to someone today. It's as you invite him that that begins to occur. As you invite him and start to expect that he pops out of your life and starts to impact other people around you, it's as you are welcoming that lifestyle. If you want to be a witness for Jesus, this is the best way to be a witness for Jesus. I mean, I love people that go out with a stack of tracks, 
walk around giving them to complete strangers and that. And that's great. Some miracles happen out of that. But let me tell you, we want to be a people that are filled with the Holy Spirit and that the Spirit of God pops out of our life and actually has an impact on those around us. And it just comes by invitation. Say, Lord, I want to step up to that level. I want to be that type of Christian where you're working in my life and in the life of those around me. And you watch. Won't be long and there'll be people sitting next to you in church. Won't be long and you'll see some people being touched by the Spirit of God in ways that you know you could never do. Just listening and just talking and and, uh, hearing what people are saying about what God's done in someone else's life. It's exciting, isn't it? It's an exciting lifestyle that we're called to. You know, not just passionate about the reality of a risen Lord, not just passionate and devoted to sharing his love, but he wants us to be connected and powerful. I'll say that again, connected and powerful. And get this, at the start of the New Testament church, right at the very beginning, the promise of the Father is so we can stay plugged into the power source. Too many believers are content to run on empty. We've got to press in if we want to be full and overflowing. And of course, it's a connection that overcomes. The beauty of it is is it's a connection that overcomes our inability. What we couldn't possibly do, God can do very quickly with just a splash. Just a splash out of our lives onto the lives of others around us. And so much of that connection has to do with our prayer capacity that is beyond our ability to know the Bible. If you think it's because you know the Bible back to front and you can quote scriptures accurately, uh, sorry, that's a good thing and there's nothing wrong with it, but we want to be a people filled with the Spirit. It's a prayer ability that allows us to pray perfectly aligned to the will of God. Let's look at that again, Acts chapter 2, and and we'll just see, we've got a few scriptures to go through, and I'm just mindful of time today. So Acts chapter 2 and verse 3 to 4, it says, They appeared to uh, to them tongues resembling fire, which were being distributed among them, and they rested on each of them as each person received the Holy Spirit. And they were all filled, that is, diffused through their being. This is the Amplified Version. Diffused through their being with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Uh, different languages, as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out clearly and appropriately. Tongues on the day of Pentecost wasn't just so people from different places and different language groups could understand the gospel message. Understand that. It wasn't just so everybody could hear what was being said on the day. But as we see from the Apostle Paul's ongoing teaching, tongues is a prayer power. All right? It's a, a super gift. You know, It allows you to pray. And, of course, we'll look at that uh, in a few moments. 1 Corinthians 14 is a chapter that describes, and I'm going to say this this morning so you get an understanding, not only from this week but also next week as well. 1 Corinthians 14 is a chapter that describes two separate applications for speaking in tongues. A lot of people get confused right here, particularly in 1 Corinthians 14. Understanding that is the key to not being confused about tongues. All right? Two separate applications. One is your prayer language. The other is the gift of tongues mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. All right? So one is your prayer language. The other one is the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues, you'll always know it because it's always interpreted. Either by the person who gives the gift of tongues or by someone else sitting nearby who gets it. 
I remember sitting, uh, listening to, some of you heard of Kenneth Hagen. I remember sitting in a meeting where Kenneth Hagen Jr., Pastor Kenneth Hagen Jr. was sitting there and he was uh, doing, the, doing a special presentation for what he had, his heart for Australia. And his wife Lynette was there and she got up and gave a message in tongues and I'm sitting right next to the speaker and I'm hearing every single word that she's saying but it's in another tongue and I'm understanding every single word that she's saying. I got the message. And it was really interesting because someone else got up and gave the, gave the interpretation. It was pretty well spot on. I didn't get it, but I got it as well. So if that person decided not to get up, I could have got up and give the interpretation. But I understood every single word. It was like just a clear message from God. That's the gift of the Holy Spirit. And of course, you know, I've had other times where that gift has operated. How does the gift of, how do the gifts of the Holy Spirit operate? Through love? As he wills as well. It's through love as well, yeah, as he wills. In other words, there's no button, there's no lever. I can't come in here and say, I'm going to operate this gift today or that gift today. It's as he wills. So you can't push it. It's as he wills. Okay, I'm going to give you a quick, just in the time that we've got remaining, one application when we speak in tongues, and I'm talking, I'm talking about the, you know, when you're just praying in tongues yourself, okay? When we speak in tongues, angels hear us, okay? Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 13. I'm just going to give a little, little bit more information to what we looked at last week. If we speak in tongues, it says, if, if I speak in tongues in the tongues, sorry, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm only a ringing gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, the gifts operate, as Pastor Jess just said, through love. We have to recognise that. We don't want to just be a big noise and miss out on love. Amen. So why do angels get mentioned here? Here's the question. Why do angels get a mention? It's because they're engaged in the work of the church and they are listening for their cues to serve and to act in the work of the church. They are listening for that. They're looking to act on God's will, which when we're praying in the spirit, they are listening. When, when those cues are being voiced, they want to act down. Hebrews uh, verse 14, speaking of angels, it says, they are sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation. That's what the angels do. So they're listening in. And he says, uh, Paul, uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak in tongues, in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm only a ringing gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, the angels are listening in when we speak in other tongues. They're listening for the accused. They're looking for opportunity to serve. They're looking to hear something that's in that engagement, in that engagement between your spirit and, and the Holy Spirit that they can act on. The angels are there. Part of my testimony is uh, the, the gift of the discerning of spirits operating as I was driving my car one time, one time as, a, as a young Christian and the Lord just opened my eyes and showed me that realm of the spirit where all the angels are. And you want to know what an angel looks like? Angels are big. Don't be thinking about those little fat babies with wings. Nothing like that. Okay? Angels are created beings. Okay? They're, they're neither male nor female. All right? And they're beautiful to look at. Okay, beautiful in a kind of funny way. Beautiful to look at, neither male nor female. And they are warriors. Okay, warriors. They fight. 
big wingspan, nine foot, and they fly without flapping their wings. And I'm looking at this angel, and of course the Lord had just opened my eyes so I could see this angel, and, and it was just enough for me to think, what are they doing? And the Lord said to me so very clearly out of Hebrews, out of this verse, he said, ministering unto the heirs of salvation. You know, when, the, when you have a gift of discerning of spirits or anything like that occur, understand that the Holy Spirit's right there to talk to you about it. He's there to explain, to fill in the blanks. Because when we go into the realm of the Spirit, we have blanks. You know, things that we're not quite sure about. And he'll show you what they are. He'll, 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 he'll direct you and guide you. He knows that you don't know. And so you can ask silly questions. What are they doing? And I saw, as I, as I finished that drive and as I, I was still going through, oh, what this angel, you know, I just saw that. As I turned the corner, the Lord opened my eyes and I saw right across that whole industrial area of Kewdown there were angels everywhere. I saw the whole lot of them, all just sort of around that, sort of to 100 metres high sort of thing, you know, just speckled across the horizon. And I knew that each one of us has an angel. Each one of us has an angel that is working in our life. And you say, I can't see that. Well, don't wait till you see it to believe it. All right? Understand that they're there and they're alive and they're well. When we speak in tongues, we speak in the tongues of men and angels. Amen? Hebrews 1. Yes. 14. Hebrews 1. That's easy to find. Right at the beginning. Chapter 2. Uh, I say point two, when we speak in tongues, we speak to God, okay? When we speak in tongues, we speak to God. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 2, again, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men. Now that's for those who say, oh, it was just a language for the day. It was just a language so people on the day could understand what was being said and after that it wasn't really much use. No, no, that's not true at all. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 2, he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. So we've got to get a heavenly language out and start speaking in other tongues, Pentecostal church. All right? Because we're speaking under God. And it says, indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries in the spirit. You know, the scripture says so plainly here that when we speak in a tongue, we are not speaking to men. We're speaking to God. That's speaking of that prayer power, that prayer in the spirit that is understood by God. So I don't understand what I'm saying, so I don't do it very much. Don't wait until your understanding catches up with what you're saying in, in other tongues. Because God's listening. It's a, a capacity of the Holy Spirit. We should be looking for every opportunity. Remember uh, uh, living, living in a house with a whole bunch of boys, of course, before I met my lovely wife, Rosemary, uh, in my bachelor days, I guess you could say. And, and I remember a, a friend of mine, uh, and he was just always, you know, one of the guys that lived in the house. He was always praying in tongues. He didn't care who heard. He was just in the shower until the neighbours eventually said, uh, came and knocked on the door and said, could we just ask politely and kindly for you to stop doing what you're doing in the shower there because it's really loud. And he was, he was praying in other tongues to the point where the neighbours could hear him and he didn't care. And I saw him one day, I was driving down, I think it was Vincent Street, and he came turning around the corner, didn't know that I was going to cross his path, and there, is, there was his mouth going wildly as he drove by, you know. <laughs> he was praying in his heavenly language <laughs> as, uh, as he was driving his car and uh, it was something to behold, I really tell you. 
This is in the days before mobiles in cars where people would think you're talking on the mobile. I knew he was speaking to God, you know, not to someone on a phone. But you see, it's better to be committed to praying in tongues without the ability of knowing everything that you are praying than it is to be praying out of your own understanding only. Paul says he did both. And what it says in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 14, it says, For if I pray in, a, if I pray in tongues, guess what it says there? 1 Corinthians 14 verse 14, If I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. Well, that's not a reason to stop, is really what I'm saying this morning. Paul gets to the place where he's comfortable with the ambiguity. As a Pentecostal, the, the Apostle Paul, and I call him a Pentecostal, okay, he's comfortable with not knowing what he's praying. You see, and I'll bring it out, uh, next point, number three, when we speak in other tongues, our prayer language re-energizes us. Our vessels leak, you know. This, what we're carrying sometimes depletes and leaks out. You know, the ongoing practice of speaking in tongues will build us up. It will edify us. It's like uh, putting your battery on recharge. We have to do it with our phones every day. We should do it with our spirits every day. Put it on charge. Just spend some time praying in the Holy Ghost. Is your spiritual battery running low? Get alone and pray in tongues. Go for a drive in your car. <laughs> People will think you're just talking on your mobile phone if they see you. Okay? 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 4, it says, The one who speaks in tongues edifies himself. That word edifies means builds himself up, like a battery being recharged. And of course, in Jude chapter 1 and verse 20, it also says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. It's that communion that can occur. So your capacity to pray in the Spirit, to pray in other tongues, places you immediately above every situation. It places you beyond what you could do. It places you beyond your ability to understand how to pray, what to do. What do I do in this situation? I'll just pray in tongues for a while. And even sometimes where the Lord would actually give you some, maybe a download, a fresh insight on what you should be doing, what you could be doing. Amen. Praying in the Spirit places you in the throne room of God with your own connection, praying accurately and praying according to the will of God. Don't just think it's just a babble. You rob yourself with that. Next week, I want to give the fourth application of tongues in the church that goes into that second category of the gift of tongues and interpretation. But, but let's be those believers today. Just as we close, I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. Let's be those believers that pray in the Spirit, those that choose to pray out of the Holy Spirit's perfect prayer, that capacity step into it if you haven't if you've let that lax a little bit and you can as a christian you can let that let you sort of lapse a little bit and not not be as strong on it and not step into it as much what what happens when you do do a scientific experiment give yourself you know a couple of days where i say today i'm just going to spend 15 minutes praying in the holy ghost i'm just going to give myself 15 minutes you know and do that for a week and watch what happens the lord will use it 
Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Why don't we all stand to our feet? I just want to lead you in a, in a, in a word of prayer before we, before we continue on. Father, we thank you for your word today, Lord God. We thank you for its, its impact in our lives, Lord. Lord, we thank you, Father, that um, we're a people, Father God, committed to a, a prayerful lifestyle. Lord, that we're connecting with your heart, Lord God, all the time. Lord, that we pray without ceasing, as your word says, that we're just continually connected, just communing with you, Lord. And even, Lord, praying in the spirit, Lord God, we thank you, Lord, that you lead and guide us through that, Lord. Father, we thank you that for those that are not filled today with your spirit, with with that um, evidence of speaking in other tongues, Lord God, that they would they would see and feel that desire to know you are that level, Father, and know that work in their life, Lord God. So, so Father, I ask that you impress hearts today that would come down and desire, Father, to be filled today. And Lord God, I thank you that, Lord, uh, as they do, Lord God, that, that, Lord God, you pour out your spirit afresh upon those that come and ask of you, Father. We ask this today in Jesus' name, Lord. And Lord, we, we pray for those especially, Lord, that Lord are here today and say, I don't know that I have a relationship with Jesus. I don't know that I know him as Lord and Saviour. And I've heard some things today that tells me that maybe I could. Father, we pray for those ones, Lord God, that you would draw them. Lord, that the spirit of adoption, Lord God, would just be upon them right now. Lord, that you would draw them into your kingdom. Lord, as sons and daughters, Lord. Father, we thank you that you're so... You're so um, you're so gentle and kind and so so able, Lord God, to bring us into relationship with you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for that work of your spirit right now. Thank you, Lord. And all the people said in Jesus' name, amen, amen.